Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. Welcome back to another episode of the FOMO Fans Podcast. My name is Brian Fanzo. We are doing episode 98, and I, I really appreciate everybody kind of uh, diving in and enjoying that like onslaught of episodes that I dropped a couple uh, uh, last week, uh, dropping three episodes in one week. I was feeling not only inspired, but really um, motivated, especially as we push towards uh, episode uh, 100. Also, thanks everybody for checking out the Just Try This podcast that Amy and I are hosting. Uh, we are beyond uh, humbled and appreciate all of the amazing feedback for that show. And on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit. Um, you know, I think this is something that maybe I don't, uh, I haven't really addressed fully, but I often hear from people and I say, okay, Brian, um, I heard you talk about the fact that being a speaker um, is is what you want to do for the rest of your life. But like, what does that mean? Like, what's your ultimate goal? Like, where's things going? And, and I can tell you, um, for me, it's pretty clear. I, I have a, a vision and a mission and a love for helping people or really inspiring audiences, teaching, uh, educating, researching, studying. Uh, the growth and the development of empathy in a world fueled by technology and innovation. And so for me, when I look at these things, uh, oftentimes we hear a lot about empathy, we hear a lot about innovation, but usually it's, you know, turning off one or turning off another, or turning both on, you know, and I, and I really believe it's about the intersection, it's about understanding the roles of each. Um, this is the, you know, like that's the, the overarching mission um, that I want to help um, kind of facilitate. That's what my dreams are of packing stadiums and doing three or four day events um, all around uh, empathy and and technology, the links between them, how we use them, where they, they all kind of fall in. And, and for me right now, the vehicle is marketing. The vehicle is uh, helping brands embrace uh, change, helping um, audiences understand uh, where things are today and where we're going in the future. Uh, but that, these are all things that not only even the book, from writing the book, uh, pressing the damn button, all of this is all up for me leading into this greater purpose that I believe I want to follow. And, and on this episode, I'm going to kind of get into a little bit of this topic, and it's just because it comes up a lot, um, not directly, but indirectly. And, I, and I've been sharing some things on Twitter as well as Instagram uh, around this, and it's been getting some amazing feedback. So the idea here is, you know, leading with empathy. I think everyone in the world can, you know, we can all agree that the world needs to be uh, more empathetic. I think we, we as individual humans um, could be more uh, empathetic, especially right now in America. Uh, if you guys listen to my episode with Jennifer Watson, uh, a couple episodes ago about love and the importance of love as an emotional um, element within our marketing and how that impacts uh, conferences and so on. Um, and so we, I think we can all agree on empathy, but the, there's a, a difference between understanding that we need to be more empathetic and understanding that empathy is important versus really kind of understanding where that fits today and the, and the mindset shifts that we must embrace. And I, and I, and I call them mindset shifts, I think mainly just because I like that term mindset, um, rather than traits or thinking. But this is something, um, you know, I believe that we, it's a fundamental element of us not only becoming great leaders, but standing out from the noise, making our stories have impact. And so I want to kind of break down what these two mindset shifts are. And, and the first thing I want to caveat this is, 
Failure is not one of them. Uh, you, those that listen to the show, those that have seen me speak on stage, um, I do not appreciate or believe in the import or, or the um, celebration of failure. Rather, I don't. I don't like people that tell people, you know, um, failure is a necessary set step to success. Everyone must fail, which is interesting because I'm the person that says perfection's a fairy tale, and you must press the damn button. Press the damn button. Just to clarify here, does not mean that you fail on purpose or you hope to have failed. Or you just do everything randomly knowing that failure is required. Press the damn button means you have to start before you can understand what works. You have, to, you have to push forward and test things. And then once you start to understand what works, what doesn't work, then you can create a strategy that helps you lean into what works. But if you do it from a place of failure as the, as the front-leaning mindset being, I'm not afraid to fail and failure is probably going to happen, I believe you approach the situation without being prepared, without having a strategy, without being open to pivot, almost to the point where failure ends up being um, a, 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 vi a vice and a crutch as, as well as almost a celebration. And I, I, failure sucks. Failure hurts. Um, I've failed failed multiple times in my career. I failed multiple times in my, in my personal life. Um, you know, I failed as a dad. There's lots of, and I, and, and the thing that I think is underestimated here is, you know, people forget that, that how much failure sucks. So I think we have to move away from including failure as a necessary, uh, under underlining principle of, of, um, of, you know, success or leadership. And I think where we're going to move this conversation towards is the first one, and and I'm gonna, let me kind of break this down, and I, I kind of put this out there recently, is that, you know, for me, one of the things that I've started to learn about myself over the last four years especially um, is that um, there's certain things in my life, and many of these things were things that I was picked on for as a child, picked on for through college, uh, things that people... Call, told me that were my weaknesses, things that people explained to me as the premise to why I couldn't do things, or even the things that everyone was telling me, I must change if I want to be good, or I must change if I want to succeed. You know, including the, the, the teachers in high school that told me that I talked too much and I didn't pay attention enough and I was too sociable and that if I, I, I was destined to be flipping, you know, flipping hamburgers uh, for the rest of my life and the, they questioned my mom or how I was being raised or uh, the importance of school in my household and, you know, all of it. So, and there's these things. And so I, you know, I kind of broke down a bunch of these things that, um, not only was I embarrassed about, uh, talking about early on in my career, but these were things that I was bullied about. I was picked on. And, and in many cases, these are things I, I at one time sought out to change, right? And so, you know, I, I have a stutter, a, a little stutter sometimes when I get excited. Of course, you guys know that I talk fast. That's nothing. Um, that's nothing that is uh, that is new for anyone that's ever met me. Um, you know, I've one of my the things that I've, I've always been trying to work on is that. I have a desire to please everyone. I've always had uh, a, a focus where, uh, you know, oftentimes if one person was upset and a hundred people were happy, um, I would focus more time on that one person that was upset uh, rather than realizing you can't please everyone. And when, when someone would tell me you can't please everyone, I would say, well, you can't, but I might be able to. Um, and that's, that, that was one that, that, I was often told was, you know, inhibiting my success, right? And maybe short-term success that that was possible, you know, along that same thing, along that same line, you know, I was always told, Brian, you're on a, you're on a path that is going to lead you to being the jack of all 
uh, jack of all trades and the master of nothing, right? And this comes into, you need to have a, a, a niche, you need to have a focus, you need to go all in on one thing, your brand is too big, you, the, 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 there's too many things that you're chasing, um, everything that you're doing, you do too many projects at once and you don't finish any of those projects. Um, not only that, you know, I'm an emotional person, I'm not afraid to show my emotion uh, in everything that I do uh, in, uh, in the way that I live life, uh, including, you know, uh, tearing up during a movie, getting emotional when I'm on stage, uh, that those are things that, you know, I, I, uh, I've often been told that I need to get a handle on, uh, which is always great when I get told that I need to get a handle on something. Um, usually that just means they identify something about me that they don't understand and they're going to tell me to get a handle on it when really it's, um, them projecting on me. Uh, I was also, you know, I really study, I struggled reading books and taking tests. And although I have been diagnosed with ADHD and I do take Adderall now, um, that is still something that I struggle with. It's still something that, um, for me, uh, was something that I, 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 I was frustrated as hell. I remember being really sad through college that, um, I wanted to succeed so badly and I was still failing my courses and I was still struggling to even embrace the courses and the, and the content that I really wanted. And, and, you know, interestingly enough for me, uh, once I've discovered podcasting and and audio consumption, um, so much of it changed for me because I I learn best via audio. I I learn best by uh, you know listening to podcasts and consuming uh, content that way. Uh, yet the whole time growing up, it was definitely something that um, even in college, when I was the president of my fraternity, I was the assistant captain of my hockey team, and uh, you know people kind of found out that my grades weren't great in college and that I was struggling in school. And a lot of people kind of started to question that about like, okay, wait, you're our leader. You're the person we look up to. You motivate and inspire us. But yet, why can't you pass a test or show up the class on, you know, and go, go to all these classes? And, and at the time, I didn't really understand it. I didn't really, really um, know, you know, what it, what it meant. I, I, I looked at it and like I was extremely embarrassed, you know, and I'll, on, on top of that same thing, I, I've always been one that wants to avoid conflict. And um, I've always, never been shy about saying that I wanted to be a dad. And uh, being a dad was, you know, the job that I wanted when I was 14 years old. And, and I've even had leaders tell me that I need to stop talking about that because it makes me look weak and it makes me look at someone that doesn't want to grow a big business. And, and here's that, you know, my caveat on that is me wanting to be a dad and that being the, the job that was my dream job and in no way diminishes my passion and belief and desire to be successful in my business. It just, it's just the way that I prioritize what I want. You know, I was also heavy when I was growing up in uh, high school and college. I was often called Fatzo, uh, being my last name is Fanzo. Um, and still to this day, you know, I've never been one that is quote unquote at the ideal body weight um, for my height. Uh, I also had crazy acne growing up. Like, you know, these were all things that, um, you know, and crazy acne, um, you know, was something that I was very self-conscious about. Uh, at the same time, I was really good at making friends with everyone, including the girls. I was really good at being put into the friend zone. Like I should have wrote a master class on how to get into the friend zone. Um, <laughs> probably still could. That's just uh, an interesting uh, buy quality of there. You know, and then I also, you know, I would always... I would always say things that, you know, I would struggle through school or I would, you know, uh, people would ask me my grades are, what do I want to do? And I've always made claims like, hey, I want to change the world. Like, I want to make an impact uh, on the world. I, I believe, you know, and I, I, I believe wholeheartedly in who I am and what I, what I am going to, you know, uh, accomplish. And I would have people laugh and be like, Brian, you can't. You're, you're struggling to pass, you know, 101 biology. Brian, you're struggling. You haven't passed Spanish and, you know, everyone can learn Spanish pretty easily. Like, how do you think 
that you are going to change the world. Like, who do you think you are, right? And and so interestingly enough, these are a whole, and these are just some of the things that came to mind around what I, I kind of knew was like things that I got made fun of, things that kind of impacted me. Now, interestingly enough, the the I started off the show saying there was two mindset shifts that are required to, to lead with empathy as we move forward. And here's the thing that I've realized is that one of those mindset shifts is self-awareness. Because what I have discovered is that during those times, I, 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 I was very embarrassed by all of these things I just shared with you guys. And if you would have told me five years ago that I was going to tell people that I used to be called Fatzo uh, in, in high school, there's zero chance that I would say that I would be admitting to that. Like, who am I? Like, what the heck am I doing, right? But one of the, what I've kind of discovered along the way is that, you know, the self-awareness has allowed me to shift my perspective on each one of these things that I was being bullied about, each one of these things that I was being made fun of. And when I shifted my perspective, I started to realize that these are things that made me different, but these are also things that, that, that stood out. And therefore, if I was able to take a different look at, or, or approach these things differently, maybe I could turn each one of these things into my underlying superpowers, right? My underlying foundation of who I was. And so I, I can tell you, I was not great at being self-aware. I, um, self-awareness to me was, you know, being, you know, uh, self-care and, and a lot of things that are, and I used air quotes for that for some reason. Um, but you know, I wasn't great at that element. I, I was very open. I was very friendly. I, hey, I'm like the happy-go-lucky guy. And um, But self-awareness for me started, you know, my divorce had a lot to do with that. Um, being a dad had a lot to do with that. Being an entrepreneur had a lot to do with that. Um, but also, you know, like what I started to understand was I, I, in 2013, I committed to being myself. I said, you know, I, I've said it, told this story a thousand times. I, I said, you know what? What I've done great in my life is I was always unapologetically myself, right? And then as we move forward in this, this journey, being yourself or, or knowing that you need to be yourself always is great. Knowing exactly who you are at the core, what your good is, what your bad is, what makes you successful, what are your failures, what are all of these things, you first have to kind of, you have to first address all of these things. And not only do you have to address them, you have to own them. And you have, you know, a couple of decisions with that. And part of those decisions are, do you allow the things that are looked at by others as weaknesses? Do you allow those things to still exist and just kind of push through? Or do you try to fix those things? Or what I believe for me is I needed to dive deeper. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to understand the psychology of a lot of these things that were, were fundamentally uh, part of who I was. And I also wanted to have my own way of doing it, right? For me, uh, trying to slow down and talk slower um, never worked, right? That just freaking never worked, ever worked for me. Uh, so then rather than trying to change who I was, I just set the expectation at the gate. Every one of my opening presentations, this podcast included, my bio on my website, all of them say I talk fast. Therefore, I throw it out there and I own that thing that I used to be get made fun of. And yes, some people still poke fun about it uh, today, but it doesn't bother me a bit because guess what? You listen faster or you listen on half speed if you're listening to me a podcast. Um, but this is who I am and this part of what where I'm kind of going. Um, this includes Jack of all trades, master of none. I had to try to niche 
niche down on a couple things before I realized that's not my personality. That's not who I am. Um, understanding that people looked at me as being too emotional, as someone that wanted to please everyone. I had to shift my perspective and say, okay, what, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? And, and part of what that meant for me most of, mostly was that I was in touch with my feelings and I have no bones about it, right? My, I've seen my, my dad cry uh, twice in my entire life. Um, you know, my dad is a strong Italian, super successful uh, leader and he's cried twice in my life, both of them when, when his parents passed away. Um, and that was the two times he's ever cried. Um, I cried two times yesterday, right? Like I got emotional and, and, and understanding that I'm just different, right? And I look at things different and being okay with that and realizing that my emotional, uh, you know, my emotional approach to things might make pe some other people uncomfortable, but it's going to also allow other people to, to understand who I am. And then, you know, this other, these other aspects of this, of, you know, understanding what, what role all of these things play in my life and understanding where, you know, I don't, I've never had the desire to be perfect. Therefore, if I can be self-aware enough to understand that these things are truly what make me imperfect, then if I don't want to be perfect, and these are the things that make me imperfect, <laughs> Why don't I just own them? Why don't I just try to, and that doesn't mean that we can't, um, you know, self-awareness, and this is why I use self-awareness rather than using self-improvement. Self-awareness, you can't, there's, there's things that I think that I've discovered about myself that I realize either can't be improved or I don't want to improve them or I don't, I'm not willing to put in the time or prioritize that improvement. Um, and, and that's, that's up to me. And so I think this has been, this is an amazing journey. And I think I've, I've said this forever is that, you know, I say we is greater than me. We is greater than me. And to be empathetic as a leader, we must understand that we as a whole, the only way we will change the world is if we do it together. But we first must be the best we that we can be. And to be the best, I'm sorry, the best me that we can be. And to be the best individual, you first have to be self-aware. And you have to prioritize what things about yourself um, work the best, as well as what things uh, how you how you do how you operate like for I mean I I discovered that you know I'm a night owl I'm someone that isn't productive nine to five and I've created a life and a business that allows me to work in the morning kind of take some of the afternoon off some days and then work late at night I've I've addressed a lot of these things and I've made a very conscious decision in many arenas to say guess what not only are we all different but I'm gonna I'm gonna look at, when someone gives me advice. I'm going to understand where they're coming from with that advice. I'm going to understand what their what their that advice for me is all about. I'm going to understand what their what their um, goals are for sharing that. What's their underlying reason for telling that? Some people give unsolicited advice um, with an open heart and with the desire to help others. Other people give unsolicited advice to break you down, to make you stop doing things the way you do it. The amount of people that told me, Brian, you can't be vulnerable. You can't you can't put yourself out there on uh, Instagram stories. You can't put you can't you know, tell people all of these things that, that are who you are, you know, at, at the core, because people, it's gonna be harder for people to, to think of you as a leader and an expert and all of these things. And I, I call BS to that, right? And I think this is where I want to take this conversation is that the, one of the questions I get all of the time is, Brian, you preach authenticity, you preach trust, you preach vulnerability, but 
In a world where many of us want to be conveyed as an expert or looked at as a leader or a um, or the the thought the thought leader of a topic or looked at where someone's buying our service because of what we of what we know, how do we how do we be vulnerable? How do we share this 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 journey, but also at the same time still be conveyed um, as a as, as a leader or a quote unquote expert? Um, and here's the here's how I approach that is. Being an expert should not be your goal. And if you believe that perfection is a fairy tale, if you believe that nobody knows everything, and even to be quote unquote an expert, I, I mean, I, I'm not an expert in anything. I have no bones about not being an expert in anything. What I am really good at is I'm really good at, at the things I do and the things I study and the things I watch and helping explain that, right? Like my skill set is I can observe something and that's either, you know, in all different realms. However, I absorb or consume something and I am paid, I am rewarded, I am hired to share my opinion on this to help educate people on how they can learn from this, to inspire people to think differently, to motivate people to take action. But that's that. I'm not, I'm not in, in the in the mode or the desire to be an expert. And I think this is the old school mentality that to be a leader you must be an expert, or to be a to be looked at where people are following you or inspired by you, or even an influencer. Remember, I I the word influencer I never liked, but I own it now. But for, for someone to be an influencer, in my opinion, it's not based on the number of followers they have. It's not based on the number of books they have. It's not based on uh, all any of those things. It's their ability to have trust. It's their, it's their level of trust with their audience to the point where they can inspire action by their audience through either what they say, what they do, or the, their overall mission, right? And so that's how I define uh, influence. And so when someone tells me, Brian... I, I want to be portrayed as an expert. Therefore, I can't tell people um, what I'm going through. That that's complete crap. And the, the 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 thing about this that I want to also clarify is that being self-aware is not the same as being complaining, right? And not the same as putting that out there and and saying these are all the things that I suck at. And I also know in the world we're living in right now, it became cool or sexy um, to kind of uh, put things out there that made you that that you know like hey. I've discovered, you know, I need to wake up at 4 a.m. or whatever the heck it may be. But I, I'm a big believer in like we not only are we all different, but we all learn different. We all uh, consume differently. But the, if we want to be relatable, which I think is the foundation of this entire thing, is that you know we first have to be self-aware. So that first mindset shift is self-awareness, and I think self-awareness is so important. I mean, for me, like one of the things that I realized is that self-awareness. Being self-aware has opened my mind to realize there's a bunch of skills that I didn't focus on early in my career that I wished I did, right? Like um, being self-confident. Like I didn't realize the importance of confidence. Like especially like if you were single, you know, for me, a female is attractive based on her confidence, confidence in who she is, confidence on what she's about, confidence, and, and, and female or male. I'm attractive females and males that are confident. Confidence, and but that's not something I understood, right? And uh, consistency, I didn't understand the importance of always showing up and uh, stay, you know, staying true to your word. I didn't understand the skill or the, the need to be authentic or nurturing relationships and how important that was. I didn't understand the, the desire or need to be a great active listener. And right, an active listener is someone that when you're listening, you have an open mindset to learn, but you also have an open approach to 
you're not waiting for your turn to talk. You're actually consuming what they have to say while also reading everything else around it, understanding what they don't say, understanding their body language, understanding who they are and where they're coming from, hopefully relating all of those things in, right? Active listening, uh, dynamic communication, right? Being able to read all of those things. Like, you know, I break that down in my, in the episode, uh, a couple episodes ago about, you know, the poker skills, you know, the, the, the skill set of compartmentalization. For me, compartmentalization has been, well, I mean, one of the most important things, uh, skills of my of my career, um, you know, and, and it's not lying to yourself. It's not um, putting things off. But for me, compartmentalization, what that really meant is it allows me to to uh, address certain things at certain times while not allowing them to to bleed into other pieces of my life that they don't need to bleed in. As I was going through the divorce and I went to court eight times last year, many of you aren't aware of that. Many I was able to compartmentalize coming out of court and, and realizing that was something in my life that I had to deal with, but I also had... Uh, 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 you know, I had to put myself out there in other ways for what I was doing, right? And so compartmentalization, understanding, you know, how to embrace change. So these are all skill sets that now that I'm self-aware, right? Like what, I, what I've been able to do is now that I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and how I can surround myself with people that are good at these things, it's allowed me to address all of these things that are extremely important to my success. And so it's it's less about figuring out what you were bullied on and telling everybody about them, but it's more about understanding why, you were bullied, why these things are make it up who you are, and then prioritizing how you handle those things, right? And so that's where the self-awareness is. The second mindset shift that you guys, I know you're waiting for, is simply your ability to be vulnerable. Vulnerability to me is the second um, most important mindset shift for us to be more empathetic. And remember, empathy is your ability to recognize and share in the feelings of others, what I like to say is that you put on the shoes of somebody else, you're able to walk in their shoes. Not just what, it's not just saying, hey, I can understand their perspective, but it's saying that I can, I can walk in their shoes to understand everything in their life that has led up to that feeling so that I, not only am I not judging, but it allows me to better understand where they're coming from. For me, that this is so important. I don't care if you disagree with me politically. I don't care if you disagree with me uh, religious, on your religious beliefs. I don't care if you don't like the sports teams or something. My, I think one of the most important skills here is being, you know, to be empathetic, you have to not only be able to compartmentalize that, but you also have to be able to, to approach it and say, hey, this is where this person is coming from. I respect that even if I don't agree with it, but I'm going to move forward and be able to make things different, right? And so, but being vulnerable, there's this element of vulnerability. When you're trying to be relatable, your vulnerabilities end up becoming your greatest strengths, it becomes the glue that people attach to you and why you're special. If you want to be a leader, leadership to me is much more than just being empathetic, being able to uh, understand someone else's feelings. It's about being okay enough, being self-aware enough, but also sharing openly to remind everyone that we are all human. And not only are we all human, but we all live in this world where we've made mistakes. There's nobody that is perfect. And you know, we live in a world right now where, funny enough, we judge people based on their vulnerabilities that maybe they've had 10 years ago 
but we, we judge them based on today's standards. I think that's a massive mistake, right? If we truly want to figure this all out, we have to understand that to, to, to judge someone on something they tweeted 10 years ago or something that someone said on a blog post 20 years ago, we have to go back 20 years ago and understand what the bar was, where things were. And just because we don't agree with where things were doesn't mean that we, should, we have to hold them to today's standards. But at, at, around the same pieces, being vulnerable is not the same as complaining or being whiny or being someone that, um, you know, cries all the time or puts, so being vulnerable ultimately just is, is this element that is, it's exposing your true self in a way that opens you up to be harmed or to be bullied or to be made fun of. But more importantly, it opens you up to connect at a, at a greater level. Um, someone that I look up to a lot, Brene Brown, has always said that the purpose in life is connection. And connection can only happen as a result of authenticity. And I completely agree. And that authenticity is founded in our ability to be vulnerable. I will also link that these two mindsets, you cannot be vulnerable with, with open vulnerability until you're first self-aware. I was very vulnerable up until 2015, but I was not truly vulnerable in a way that it's allowed me to grow as a person, allowed my audience to see who I was until I'd gone through what I had gone through over the last three years. And so when I look at leading with empathy and the, the empathetic leader and people come to me and say, Brian, how do we motivate or lead these millennials and Gen Z? And I'm like, what's well, the same way we motivate every generation and every person out there? It's less about saying, I, I, it's not about having an open door policy. Screw the door. Come out side of the door humanize yourself let the people that you are you are working with know that you are human as well you make mistakes as well you your success as well and through that bonds through your ability to connect allow you to educate inspire and motivate in a world we're in right now if you're telling people what they do wrong and speaking from your high castle or from inside your office and saying that you can come through the open door you will not be trusted you will not you will not be authentic you will not connect with people and in today's world, we have the opportunity to learn and listen and be exposed to the world out there. And that gives us the confidence to know that if someone is not authentic and someone is not vulnerable and someone is trying to per portray perfection, that not only can we, they, can they never empathize with me, but they can't connect with me because there's no authenticity there. And so when I look at this, and this is such a, I mean, I love these topics, is that you know, we, we must be more vulnerable. We must be more self-aware, but we must stop judging people that are vulnerable. Um, I'm going to have a special guest on next episode of this show, and it's someone that's a listener of the show um, that made one of the, the, the nicest posts about me that I've ever had yesterday on Facebook. And it, I mean, it like rocked me to my core. It made me feel so much appreciation. It made me feel inspired for the work I do. Uh, it made me feel that um, validation to a lot of the things that I've been working on. And I sent this person back a, a video reply. And then this person, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell the person's name. He's going to be on the show. So you guys have to turn out the next one. But the thing about it is, interestingly enough, I put this out there. And I had two or three people in my community and my network reach out to me and say, Brian, you realize when your fans are falling in love with you at that level and you inspire people and you connect with people that deeply, you might want to separate yourself a little bit so that you inspire others to feel that same way. And here's what I'm, bullshit. Because guess what? 
I remember when I got retweeted and shared or when someone mentioned me where I start my I started getting validation in my industry. And you know what? That meant the world to me. And so whenever I do anything, when I'm creating content, when I'm making a strategic decision, last year I was at this event called Social Media Marketing World and I went out to dinner with some people and there's an event, a networking event on the Midway. And five years before, I went to that networking event as an attendee of that conference. And I was beyond impacted and influenced. And I mean, I was, I was truly, uh, you know, man, I, I don't even know. I was truly, uh, it was a memorable experience for me when I was able to connect with people that I looked up to in my industry at this networking event. And last year I was, I was invited to a very nice executive luxury dinner and everyone there was, was, was happily missing this opportunity. And I told them that I was going to decide that I wasn't going to eat. I ended up riding, r- renting one of those little rental uh, bicycles and I rode the bicycle to the networking event because my simple motivation was, I know what it's like to be in that shoes. And if I can simply provide, motivate or inspire one person, or if I can spend a couple hours doing something like that and impact somebody the way that I was impacted, I will do that every single time. And what that truly comes down to for me is that I want to always listen, always learn. I want to grow as a person. I want to improve. But I'm gonna not. I, I'm not gonna allow other people to dictate who I am or what I'm about. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna learn. But I'm gonna be unapologetically myself. And I believe that relatability is the future of marketing. I believe leadership must be more empathetic. I agree with Brene Brown that the purpose is connection through authenticity. But for many of us, we know that we need to be more empathetic. We understand the importance of being self-aware. We, we, we realize that vulnerability um, can be a connective piece, but there are, we need to stop realizing it and start owning it. We need to start embracing it. And I'm preaching to you guys about this because it's my life. My life, my success, my business, I have struggled. I've struggled recently. I've had to lean on my family a lot over this last year, um, you know, for all kinds of reasons. And I'm not embarrassed by that. I, I, it's just how I've operated in my life. It's going to make me stronger. And I'm very blessed to have that amazing support system and this amazing family. And it's allowed me to, you know, prioritize things in my life. But I believe if we want to be leading with empathy. And I believe everyone has a role in leadership. If it's leading your kids, leading your spouse, leading at work, maybe leading at your, um, your church group. Maybe it's being a great leader that leads from behind. I believe to make all of this work, empathy is definitely the, 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 fo- the is the, uh, the, the end, end result. But to get there, it starts with being self-aware and it starts with understanding what role our vulnerabilities play in that. And when someone tells you not to share something or someone tells you that you're open or you care too much, address that and understand where they're coming from, what that truly means, and do your own risk first reward. Decide for yourself how that all works. And it is a crazy bumpy road and you will have haters. I do have haters. I do have people that attack me, but most of them are doing that out of a place of jealousy, out of a place of uh, of lack of self-confidence in themselves. And I'm able to address that. I take the high road every time because I, I believe in that. But I hope you guys take this and move forward. I can't wait for next episode, episode 99. You guys are really going to love this interview um, with this person that is a listener that wrote me this amazing post last night. And I'm going to bring him on the show. We're going to just kind of talk a little bit deeper about all the things that go on in this world that is today and, and the power of social media. So thank you guys for tuning in to this episode, episode 98. Truly, truly, together we can change 
the world, we are greater than me. But to be a great we, for us together to change the world, we must first be a great me, embrace self-awareness, understand the importance and the goal of empathy, and, and own your vulnerabilities. Until next time, my name is Brian Fanzo. Cheers, my friends.